fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final What's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJournal.com. We read and feed you fantasy wolves here with your week seven waiver wire pickups, giving you my top guys to look at and a handful more, the tight end position, of course, my defensive streamers as well to get you as ready as you can for a big week seven. My apologies for those of you waiting for the live show too. About 10 minutes late here, had a computer restart that I wasn't expecting. My apologies, but we are back. We are live and we are ready to crush it for you guys. So let's waste no more time and dive on in as we do that thumbs up button. So greatly appreciated. If you enjoy what you're hearing throughout the show, please consider doing that for us to help us get out to more people and oh, the wolf back. And if you're new here, subs are always greatly appreciated as well. Of course, if you enjoy what we are doing. Let's dive into the first check territory. You got to look for Brian Robinson, 66% rostered. I know, again, most of these guys probably won't be in your leagues. I like to just start with them, though, as a quick glance over to double check. Robinson comes right in for 17 carries, 17 of the 28 total for the Commanders, ultimately racking up 60 yards and a touchdown. Now, I will be the first to say, eyeball test. Didn't look anything special, had some power, definitely can hit the hole, but did not show much elusiveness, speed, any of the stuff you want for a breakaway type of running back that could tilt fancy. No Damian Pierce, should we say, to his game. But remember, he was showing that in the early preseason. This guy did just get shot early on. I mean, the fact that he's even playing is absolutely insane. The fact that he saw the workload he saw is even crazier. So I'm not going to overreact and go nuts to the fact that he didn't look amazing. I'm going to look at more volume here. The fact that he saw over 50% of the carries, played nearly 50% of the snaps. Antonio Gibson, an absolute non-factor, uh, only five carries, did look better. Granted, I will say that. Show a little wiggle, show a little juice, and Ramavera did say we might want to get him more involved. So this could become a three-headed nightmare. We know McKissick will remain involved on the early downs. All that being said, Robinson, you can't be upset with that type of volume with 12 fantasy points in his debut. He's to see 15, 20 carries when he gets his legs under him. Could be a real player down the stretch here. So keep your eyes peeled for him. And also double check for Khalil Herbert, who went for 70 yards on seven carries in that uh, shitstorm against the commanders here. But the big thing here, the difference wasn't that he just outgained David Montgomery on way less. You only played 16 snaps compared to 56 for David Montgomery. That should be a concern. Why would I want to go add this guy, Wolf? Well, yeah, he outgained. The big thing, though, is when pressed on this, Matt, you know, by the, the uh, reporters at his press conference on Monday, everyone noting Khalil Herbert has looked way better. What are we going to do? He's averaging you know double the yards per carry right now of David Montgomery. Matt Everless did you know, actually hint at the fact that they're going to ride the hot hand, said quote, literally the exact words, we're going to go with the hot hand in the future when asked if Herbert had earned more reps. And if we're looking for the hot hand here, it's been clear, no-brainer, Khalil Herbert's a better fit for the zone scheme, better fit for what they're doing. He has 63 rushing attempts, Khalil Herbert, on the year. David Montgomery has 62. Khalil Herbert has more yards after contact, 272, than Montgomery has 
total rushing yards, 246. Never mind how many more he has before contact, too. So if this is truly a hot hand situation, Herbert should be the guy moving forward. Definitely somebody that frustrated owners may have dropped could definitely put a damper on Montgomery, who's looked like the workhorse all year. But still, if Herbert's going to be a truly hot hand situation, regains that quicker than most. All righty, guys. So those might be not in available in your league. Maybe they are. I'd go to them first. This is just in general my overall thoughts on the wave wire. Not the best week. Last week I had brought you 20 people because of how loaded it was with a Ken Walker looking like a clear ace running back one the rest of the year. There's none of that this week. There are a handful of rookie receivers, exciting talents, guys that deserve to be rostered, but no one you're blowing the bank for, nobody worth your number one priority if you still are stuck in the 90s doing that sense of system. But ultimately, there are definitely some names, about 10 or so, that I really like in a big-loaded tight end group this week, actually, that I'll hit right at the end. A lot of intriguing defensive streamers as well. So still some guys to pay attention to. Just wanted to be up on that. I don't think there's anybody worth blowing it all for. So that being said, Rashad White, want to keep emphasizing this guy. I know he's been on this show pretty much every week. I want to move to number one. Given the absence of any true difference makers right now on the waiver wire, I wanted to highlight the one guy who I genuinely think could swing leagues if everything bounces the right way. We saw a decrease in snaps, went down to 22% after 38 and 39% weeks. But again, that's not the play. I'm not picking this guy up to use him immediately right now. Uh, the fact that Fournette had 27 touches to just seven for White, I'm not too worried. I'm picking him up because Lenny Fournette has missed time in every single season he's played, including three-plus games in four of those five seasons. If and when that happens, Rashad White is going to be a top-12 running back. I, I consider him just like Kenneth Walker. Maybe he hasn't put on quite that Kenneth Walker has, but remember, entering the league, White's receiving profile was on par with McCaffrey, with Kamara, with Eckler, some of the most elite backs in terms of his receiving grades by PFF, in terms of his yards per route run. Thing checked the boxes, the three down back after they drafted him. I really think, and no, he's not David Johnson, hasn't flashed that type of upside quite yet, but I think the usage would be right on par there. And the usage that's making Lenny, Lenny's not this insane talent. Sure, he's a bull. Sure, he can bow through tackles, but the thing that's making him such a fantasy monster this year and since he's gotten to the Bucks, is that role with Tom Brady peppering him in targets, 80% of the usage. That's what Rashad White believe would be walking into. Maybe Vaughn would be involved, but he hasn't even been active on game days. He's shown nothing throughout his entire career outside a decent stretch run last year when Fournette got hurt, but still didn't light the world on fire. I think that would go to White. So I wanted to emphasize him at the top. Still only 33% rostered. I understand he's not going to give you anything unless something happens to Fournette, but that's happened quite frequently. So I want to keep emphasizing Rashad White until he's above 50% rostered. The best handcuff in fantasy, in my opinion. Moving forward to the wide receiver position, Rondale Moore, 46% rostered, sees a beastly 10 targets, turns him into a nothing, 49 yards, six catches, just a meh 4.9 yards per target against Seattle. So he's not getting deep and down the field. That's something he kind of has in his repertoire, but in this gross Cliff Kingsbury offense, it's just dinking, it's dunking. Almost all of his targets, well over half of them, came at or behind the line of scrimmage. Not great, fewer than five yards. Uh, so not great on the fact that he's not really getting deep or anything of that nature, but no Marquise Brown now for at least six plus weeks. Maybe they untap his field stretching abilities 
just a little bit more. And even if not, he's looked good after the catch. He's got that slot role that made Greg Dortch a top 25 receiver for those first couple of weeks. That's made Rondell Moore, you know, 16, uh, all the targets he's seeing, 19 targets across his last two games, played all 70 snaps, ran the most routes on the team. It's a plentiful role in an offense that maybe finds some footing with DeAndre Hopkins now back. I do want to highlight my number five receiver too while we're talking about the Cardinals. It's worth bringing up. Robbie Anderson has joined this team. And if there's a more natural, just field stretching lid lifter on this roster, it sure is him. Brings that 4 3 2 speed that we've seen dominate defenses for stretches when he's motivated, when he's got the right quarterback. Robbie Anderson can get it done. Marquise Brown had over 40% of the air yards for the Cardinals. That was the fifth highest rate among all NFL receivers. He, again, will be out for at least six weeks. That's a huge gaping opportunity. Whether Rondale Moore steps in a little bit more, we know, of course, Hopkins is going to come in and eat a ton of that. But over the past couple seasons, we've seen what Hopkins is in this offense. It's a chain mover. It's a good role, certainly for PPR and half PPR leagues. He's definitely going to have... 12, 15 targets each and every week Hopkins will. That doesn't mean we can't get some good lid lifting out of Robbie Anderson. Now, he hasn't been great this year, but look no further than week one where he had 44% of the Panthers' air yards, went well over 130 yards on just five catches, did get a score as well. And you think Kyler Murray should be a huge boost. Now, there's a lot of statistics. Rich Reber, one of my favorite analysts, showed that Kyler Murray is one of the worst deep ball passers in the league so far this year. That's not a historical trend. He's been one of the better deep passers throughout his NFL career. Remember, this is a baseball player that could just absolutely sling that thing down the field. Was some of the most accurate passes on deep last year. That's why I love Marquise Brown entering this. You know, he had the highest passer grade, Kyler Murray did, passer rating, uh, deep yards per attempt, like so many great statistics last year according to Pro Football Focus's grading on deep passes. It just hasn't been clicking this year. I don't know what it is, but maybe Anderson helps him find his footing. Certainly he's going to have the opportunity with Marquise Brown. He's by far the most natural lid lifter, and they sure need one. So I wanted to highlight both Rondell Moore, my number two pickup, but also Robbie Anderson upside. I mean, Robbie Anderson might have even more upside than Rondell Moore just on the usage he will get alone, the type of usage rather, whereas Rondell Moore, more of the volume bet, more of the guy we've seen already doing it. The safer play, if you want to just pick somebody up and have some usability, I do like Rondale Moore uh, there. Moving forward, though, to another receiver that's intriguing, another guy we've highlighted time and time again on this show. He's up to 39% roster. That's Alec Pierce, still out there in over 60% of leagues. And I don't understand why. He has yet another strong performance. And so now out of the last four weeks, 9.1, 12, 16.1, and 13.9 fantasy points in four straight games. He's seen 16 targets in his last two games, ran 75% and 70% of the routes over those two weeks. Before then, he hadn't seen 50% or more routes. So it's big that he's in there. He's still getting out-snapped by Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, but he's coming in when it matters most, when they're passing the ball. And they're passing the ball at the third highest clip in the NFL right now. So, yes, I know Paris Campbell had him a pretty good day. I don't buy it. It's the first good game we've seen in this guy, maybe his entire career. 
I'm a big fan of Alec Pierce. I love what he's put on tape so far this year. Three catches, 45 yards, and a score. Really did get bailed out by that touchdown at the end of the game. Otherwise, it was going to be a complete dud. But that's what he's been doing is making big plays, scoring touchdowns. And he's we've seen a more plentiful role, too. This was the Michael Pittman game. They force-fed him 13 targets. But I still think Alec Pierce with 3.0 outrun, leading all of their passes, 11.8 average depth of target. He's their field stretcher. He's a touchdown scorer. He can get it done. Big fan of Alec Pierce. If he's somehow still out there on your waivers, we've seen four straight weeks now of highly usable fantasy production. Go out and get him. The new addition this week, though, these were all repeat names to start the first three. But coming out of the New York Giants, the first new name on our waiver wire list, Wandale Robinson, only 8% rostered. He's got humongous upside here for your stretch runs. Halfway through the season, I could see him being a genuine difference maker. Has only four targets, but catches three of them for 37 yards and a score. And granted, that was on only 11 routes run. They were clearly easing him into action. And now it looks even more eye-popping because he had 35% of the snaps, but was targeted on 36% of the time he was out there. And the big thing was 9.3 A dot. This wasn't just like a Rondell Moore role where it was dink, 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 screens, go, hopefully you do something after the catch. No, he was getting downfield on deep crossers, uh, outs. I mean, he had the whole route tree at his disposal. And again, it was only 11 routes, so we didn't get a whole picture of what he can do. But we did know they clearly wanted to target him. He was clearly getting open and demanding the targets while out there with a 16% target share. And again, 36% targets per route. Not too shabby at all for Wandell Robinson. And given that he's competing with, I, I don't even think Kadarius Tony. I guess I can't even say, who knows if he'll ever exist again, but Richie James, Darius Slayton, Marcus Johnson, David Sills, if and when those snaps go up, and I would imagine as early as this week, why shouldn't they? He's got nobody he's competing with. So I could see him walking right into 30% target share, an electric player. Remember, this was the MVP of Giants training camp. All that hype, whether it was Peter King, whether it was the beat writers, he was lighting everything up. And we saw glimpses of how explosive this kid can be on a team. Again, five and one, they're doing some damage and they clearly need a top guy to go to. I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Wandale walk into like an eight to 12 target. And I know there's not a ton of passing volume in this game, but I'm saying that's how condensed I could see it being eight to 12 designed plays each and every week. He can also get moved into the backfield. Remember he's a hybrid guy coming out of Kentucky there uh, that can play the backfield can get moved all over. I think that role already, again, the production on such limited usage, I think that role only grows and I wouldn't be shocked to see that efficiency stay really, really like Wandale Robinson. Again, I don't bid all my money on any of these first four guys. Wouldn't blow the load on it, but I'd say a nice 10 to 15% on any of those first four, including Wandale, would make sense. One of the most intriguing players of this week, probably the highest single ceiling of this waiver wire right off the bat. Big fan of Wandale Robinson. We talked about Robbie Anderson lumped in with Rondale Moore. Maybe the second biggest ceiling, though, I should just remind us. Outside of Wandell Robinson, if he just steps into a Marquise Brown style role, I don't think he's nearly the talent of Marquise Brown. But again, 40% of the air yards are now up for grabs. And I think Anderson is the best fit. If Kyler can get that deep ball cooking a little better, be a big, big. The last really, really intriguing wide receiver, in my opinion, is Jahan Dotson. Saw him get dropped by a ton of owners this week at now 35% rostered. Let's not forget those first four weeks. Four touchdowns, 12-plus PPR points in three of his four weeks. 
an absolute hog in the red zone, just a beast. The guy gets open. He was really just hampered by a congested target totem pole with Terry and, you know, Curtis Samuel eating 12 to 15 targets a week. But now he's starting to crumble a little bit. This offense clearly is missing Jahan Dotson's field stretching and red zone abilities where the fantasy money is made. As soon as he comes back, I know there's lingering health concerns. Now there's a new quarterback. Is he going to really bond and mesh with Taylor Heineke the way he was with Carson Wentz? Absolutely love the kid. Just raved about him every time he could talk about him. I don't know. And that's why he's down at six. If I knew he was walking right into Carson Wentz again, peppering him, I would probably have him as high as two, maybe even not number one, but still high on this list because that's how much I believe in this kid's talent. I know there's a lot of lingering questions around the environment and the quarterback play and all that that's why he's down here at six but certainly should be on benches to see how it shakes out maybe he becomes Haneke's boy you never know how things can work out always bet on talent rookies always tend to blow up down the stretch far more than they do early on and this kid was already lighting it up there will be an AJ Brown style break every year there's a rookie that just goes nuts down the stretch maybe it's Wandale maybe Jahan coming back but somebody's going to do it. I definitely want these guys on my roster to figure out who it is. We got plenty more running backs now to dive into, but before we do, I want to highlight our guys at No House Advantage. They are changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250K plus in cash. Like I said multiple times, Many thousand dollar winners in the Wolfpack alone since promoting these guys. They're pumped they heard about them. They're pumped they're joining because the lines are some of the softest in the game and they don't change throughout the week. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house in 20 times your entry if you hit your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups in every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with promo code RSJ at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app in app stores. Get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out again, No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All righty, Wolfpack, thank you for taking a quick ad read break with us. Let's dive into now some running backs. But if you're here and you don't mind getting that thumbs up, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, we got about 30 of you guys here. Love to see it. Keep those questions coming in. We'll hit them all. Uh, but that thumbs up button, especially if you're new, subscribe into the Wolfpack. Continue to help us grow is so greatly appreciated. Let's dive into some running backs. My number seven could be a starting running back, which is not typically available on the waiver wire. That is Latavius Murray at 15% rostered. I think if you're running back needy, you want to go towards that 15% maybe even push that 20% bid in on Latavius Murray. One, the team just hates Melvin Gordon. I don't get it. I saw this tweet from JJ Zacharyson. He was good enough, Melvin Gordon, to steal nearly half the touches from Javante Williams. And then you sign him to this big deal. You make sure to bring him back. Clearly a three down back in the NFL level with a history of great production. And what do you do when he finally, you know, Javante goes down, you give him three carries, he gets eight yards, and then you bench him the rest of the game. It's one thing if it was like a fumble, which we know he's had some problems with this year. I don't get it. He, he didn't do much with his three carries. Again, eight yards. Get that. But to bench him the rest of the game, he did not see the field in the entire second half. In fact, Murray played every single early down snap for Denver in this loss. He saw 15 carries Latavius Murray, 66 yards. Not bad. Over four yards a pop. Got one target on his nine routes. 
Mike Boone did come in for a pass route on 36% of the team's dropbacks. So he got involved, had some brutal drops, though. Terrible in pass protection. There is a path for Latavius Murray to like eventually come out of here as a three-down back in an offense that likes to throw to the running back. That has had pretty good holes throughout the year so far. What if Melvin Gordon, the team is completely fed up with him and just trades him? And again, I don't understand why. I, I don't think the team should be fed up with Gordon. I still believe in Gordon as a player. But clearly the team is not on the same page. Clearly Nathaniel Hackett is an absolute moron. After the game, they were asking Melvin Gordon, like, were you hurt? Is that what happened? He said, no. He said, I wish I could have been out there to help my team. But apparently the coaching staff didn't think I was the guy to help the squad win. And he looked frustrated. He even said, what's one word to surprise? Like how you feel? He said frustrated. He didn't, you know, go full Robbie Anderson and light up the sidelines and try to force his way out of town. He actually handled himself very professionally. A great interview. You haven't seen that clip. Uh, but ultimately it was clear, like, the team had no answer for why he wasn't in there other than they just don't trust him or don't like him. Again, I don't know why, but that all is to say Latavius Murray leading the way with those 27 snaps, 15 carries. Uh, the next closest back was Gordon with three. Mike Boone, one carry. So of the 21 carries, 15 went to Latavius Murray. A huge workload and an offense that does, again, run through the running backs. Didn't look amazing, but again, 66 yards on 15 carries. Second time he's had a nice efficient out in well. We use with the Saints. He also racked up 57 yards on 11 carries and a score. Murray just kind of gets it done whenever he's used. It's never sexy, but it's just like, here's your 12 points. All right. So at a running back position that, especially with bye weeks here, I think Murray could be a nice little stopgap. The only reason he's not higher on this list is we're talking about a team that just benched Melvin Gordon for no real apparent reason. Why would that not be a possibility for Murray any given week? It's going to be hard to trust this backfield. And Hackett did say, we're going to need all three backs moving forward to help us out. So who knows? Is it a three-headed nightmare? Do they go to Murray? I don't know. If there was some more clarity, he'd probably be toward the top three on this list. But for now, it's the best bet we have for a potential starting running back moving forward. For a one-week potential rental, though, I really, really like Kenyon Drake. One, he's wearing number 17. I thought it was a receiver out there playing running back because he had some nice zip behind the line. Looked really, really solid. I've always been a Kenyon Drake guy, so I should admit that up front. I've always kind of fallen for this guy. He's typically delivered for me, though, and he delivered this week. I didn't use him. I shouldn't can, can pretend to. 19.2 fantasy points, ripping off 10 carries for 119 yards and a score. Most of this, of course, happened after Dobbins's knee, quote-unquote, tightened up. But that could result in a week seven absence for J.K. Dobbins. Again, given how safe they've played it so far this year, I imagine that will be the case. And 11.9 yards per clip, three rushes of 20-plus yards. He looked real explosive. I can't imagine the team sees what Drake did and just completely forgets about him the rest of the way. Who knows? It's the Ravens. It's Harbaugh. And similar to the Broncos, that running back rotation is consistently a nightmare. That's why, again, Drake's not higher on it. It's why I have only about 7% to 8% fab bit. But it's looking like at least for a week, you might get a start out of Drake. He's facing Cleveland, who's given up the third most points to running backs on the year. It could be a great spot for Drake. The longer-term play could be Gus Edwards. Remember how good this guy was just two seasons ago. They quote-unquote, was getting close to a return. So I imagine he's coming back sooner than later. In fact, I think they're down to like two more weeks till they have to activate him or he goes to the IR for the rest of the year. So Gus Edwards, definitely, if you have an IR spot open, could be nice to plug into there, get him active, see what happens. But with Dobbins, just kind of even before the injury, Drake was far more efficient, only 15 yards on the, the six carries that Dobbins had. Drake showed far more Bowman burst. 
Uh, definitely can get it done as a receiver, as we've seen. Mike Davis did come in for the goal line snaps. Obnoxious. Justice Hill might return from his hamstring injury in week seven. We might have another three-headed backfield. And again, Edwards, that kind of ghost looming over the whole situation, might come in at any point. But as a one-week rental, I could see Drake having a huge day against the Browns, like him on DraftKings, as we get a clearer picture of what happened to this backfield. Not somebody that blow a ton of money on and Someone in your league might see that huge day and then throw like 25% of their fab on him. Would not do that. Just like Mike Boone a couple weeks ago, I think it could be fool's gold if you go in here expecting more than a one-week rental. But it could be a damn nice one-week rental, too, for Kenyon Drake. If you're thinking more longer term, you want to kind of stash with some upside, I'm really intrigued by this Kyron Williams kid, 8% rostered on the Rams. It seems as if Cam Akers has played his last snap here in L.A. And that's pretty huge, given that he had 72% of the rushing attempts entering this last week over their last four games. Remember in preseason week one, Adam Shefty was all in on Williams. When they asked him, you know, who's the guy that's going to surprise us in week one? He said, don't be surprised to see the Rams going far more involved with Kyron Williams than you'd expect. The coaching staff loves this kid. They love his receiving ability, and he's going to surprise some people. He's had his pulse, Shefty has, obviously on the entire league, but particularly the uh, NFC West running backs. Eli Mitchell last year was his week one kind of out of nowhere, who's going to surprise us call, and Obviously nailed that one out of the park, Adam Schefter did. So I trust that insight. Now, do I trust Williams to stay healthy? Not really, given that he only lasted three minutes into his only NFL action so far in the regular season, got hurt in the preseason too. I mean, we have not seen him stay healthy yet on the NFL field. That wasn't a concern in college though. So I don't really know what's happening. Remember his last two seasons in college, 2,100 rushing yards, 31 touchdowns in those final two years, uh, in particular last year won the Paul Horning Award for the most versatile player. That's what I really like about Kyron Williams is his three-down ability. He was a centerpiece for this offense that never left the field at all. He had 1,002 rushing yards, 14 scores, in addition to 359 yards and three touchdowns on 42 catches through the air. Was labeled by many as the best pass-catching prospect. Great in pass protection as well. Uh, And he does all the things coaches love. You know, lifting a workout warrior type of guy. Uh, you're always doing the dirty work on blitz pickup. Just a, a first guy in, last man out type of mentality is what all the scouts were saying. And one former NFL running back coach, according to NFL.com, said, I might be higher on this guy than most are, but you can see how the Chargers use Austin Eckler. And I see something similar like that for Kyron. Again, one scout's opinion, but the fact that there could be that ceiling from pure NFL running back coaches Maybe it exists. Worth a stash. He's only 8% rostered. Now, this is one of the worst lines in the league. Like, it's not a great offensive environment like it was in years before. So I'm not saying go out here and blow the load on Kyron Williams. But if you have an IR spot available, he can be slotted in there for now while they're on their bye week. And again, Schefter's boy in the preseason, pass catching ability, your true three down potential. Even if the athleticism is abysmal, I mean, you know, below 50th percentile in every single athletic measure, you can say with that 46540 at only 190 pounds, hideous. If you look at relative athletic scores, the RAS scores that a lot of people like to look at to measure a prospect's just on, you know, off the field, just the pure talent or ability rather, athleticism is not good. I mean, he's like a 3.37 out of 10 on the RAS scores. So not great. It's kind of the exact equation of like on field production crushed it off field athleticism horrendous so which one prevails here and does he even say healthy a lot of red flags not like again that's why he's nine on this list on an underwhelming list too but if you're looking for a stash 
could be intriguing. Last name I wanted to bring up is Tyquan Thornton, 1% rostered. As a Pats fan, I like every time I've seen the kid in the preseason was scoring at will, uh, raving reviews out of training camp with how explosive he was and how he's roasting their top corners. And in his first extended action, four catches on five targets, 37 yards and a touchdown, in addition to rushing a score in on a 16-yard carry. Great efficiency right there, ultimately putting up 19.3 half PPR points, even more in full PPR. Granted, this is a congested situation, but Kendrick Bourne was hurt. No uh, Nelson Aguilar for this game, and he showed great chemistry with Bailey Zappi all day. He participated, Tyquan Thornton, in 73% of the routes, saw a 17% target share. He was targeted on 19% of his routes. He saw 10% of the rushing workloads. Not a bad day. Not bad usage for a guy that was the fastest player by a mile entering this. A 4-2-4-4. Like, the guy has blazing fast speed, but again, was impressing all camp with like his ability to make contested catches. Was more than just a one-trick you know one trick pony. Not just a deep bomb artist. The beat writers kept like, saying that speed is not just straight line. It's quickness. It's bursts. He's getting open at will in one-on-one drills. I like the kid a lot. He could be that rookie receiver that was in the beginning of the year, but then blows up for the stretch. So certainly another one of those stash pieces, especially if Zappi ends up taking over the role. He showed a clear chemistry with him. If Bourne gets traded, Aguilar is a rumor to be on the trade block too. It might not just be like he immediately ascends back to the wide receiver five on the target totem pole. People could get moved here. And apparently a lot of teams are interested in both Bourne and Aguilar. I don't know why, but that's just the report that came out today. So it could mean just immediate wide receiver or two, three snaps here behind Jacoby Myers. Love to see it. Now, before we get to our defensive streamers, I did want to highlight, and maybe some of these guys, especially if you have a needed tight end, and who doesn't have a needed tight end? If you have Andrews or Kelsey, yeah, you. Everybody else probably needs a good tight end on their roster. This is the one position that was deeper than any this waiver wire. Robert Tunyon, I'll go in order of how I prefer them, but there was about six guys that I genuinely think belong on rosters at the tight end position here. Robert Tunyon being a top of the list. Now, he's the highest owned. 43% of rosters have Robert Tunyon, but still not even 50% rostered. Saw 12 targets, 27% share, had 10 catches, 90 yards. A lot of beat writers were speculating throughout the last two weeks that Tunyon's finally kind of getting his legs under. Remember, he's coming off a bad ACL tear. Uh, Now he's finally got his legs. They were praising how he needs to be one of those field stretchers for the team. Well, he could set a field or he could just be that main go-to valve. We've seen dubs kind of fade into the mist right now. Uh, Even like Alan Lazard, yeah, he catches some good touchdowns, but he hasn't really been a reliable chain mover. And the running backs, you thought Aaron Jones might be Kamara Light here. Not happening right now. So Tanyan could become that main engine. Remember Aaron Jones said at the beginning of the preseason, uh, if somebody could be a target hog, it might be Tanyan. Him and Aaron Rodgers have next level chemistry. Saw it this week. And down, you know, when they needed to throw and they needed to move the chains, it was Tunyon as their go-to guy. So he's definitely my first number one addition to check for a tight end if you need one. But if he's gone, I don't hate Mike Kosecki. Now, don't forget, this guy was a top eight tight end in back-to-back seasons. A athletic freak, one of the best athletes at the position. Uh, suddenly, the, the real issue here was no usage. He wasn't on the field for even half of the snaps to start the year because his blocking was coming into question, and fairly so. He's not a blocker. He's a big wide receiver that you can move around. Remember, he was like a slot receiver almost last year. That's the Mike Gusecki role we know and love and facilitated those top eight finishes in back-to-back seasons. But now, we're starting to see a rise. His routes over the last three weeks, 57%, 
66%, and then 75% this week, a season high by a mile. And how does he respond? Six catches, 69 yards, and two touchdowns in the lot. And, of course, a oh, puke-worthy gritty that went from the end zone all the way to the sidelines. Like he might have lapped the stadium doing a gritty, and it was awful. Don't get me wrong. I can't do any better. Nonetheless, the production was there. We know there's a ceiling and a tight end. What's better than a ceiling? And this offense with Tua back and Tua's historical rate of peppering tight ends is one of the highest in the league since he took over as a starter. So if Gusecki's role continues to be around that 75% route share, he's going to be one of the better tight ends each and every week and would be a low-end tight end one rest of the season for me moving forward. Number three in the pecking order with that 16% target share. Not bad to see. If this keeps going, now it's not a guarantee. We could go right back to that horrendous early season, weeks one, two, and three usage. But again, up, up, up the last three weeks, follow the trends, go where the the, the puck is skating, not where it already has been. I could see Gasecki finishing the season as a nice top 12 tight end should this usage continue. Maybe even higher upside, though, is Kate Otten, 5% roster. I've talked about this guy a couple times on this stream. The Bucks rookie tight end, though. We saw Bray, you know, again, horrendous injury, prayers up, back-to-back weeks with concussions. He had to be stretchered out. Didn't look good at all. So hopefully he, you know, comes through and is okay. But this could that could be a season-ender, potentially even, like, career-ender the way he looked. He did get, like, the thumbs up and everything seems okay. But when you have that many concussions in back-to-back weeks, it starts to get real sketchy for when you can and should return to the field. So it could become the Kate Otten show for at least the foreseeable future and maybe the rest of the year. Last time he was featured when Cameron Brait was out, he played the most snaps of any pass catcher, 94%, ran more routes, 87% than any other player, and racked up six catches, 47 yards. And I know that doesn't sound insane, but 10 PPR points at the at the tight end position is no joke. And the fact that Tom Brady was going to him on third downs, going to him in contested situations, timing routes, like they had chemistry that Brady doesn't typically show with rookies. Brady doesn't typically show that trust in his rookies either. So that was the really big takeaway the last time we saw Kate Otten. And when he came into the field in the second half, what did we see? Three targets, two catches, 23 yards in the half. Again, not bad usage at all for Kate Otten. So of all the ceilings, I think Gusecki's might be the highest. So Tunyon, Gusecki, and then Kate Otten really does have that like low-end tight end one upside if we see an extended absence from Cameron Brate. Few other guys did flash though. A couple other rookies. These rookie tight ends are typically a tough position to translate to, but we're seeing plays made. Greg Dolchis on Monday Night Football hauls in two of his three targets for 44 yards and a score. Now it was a busted coverage. I could have probably scored I, if I could actually catch the ball, which is a big, big if. But that was a wide open lane for this guy, uh, and it was a nice route design. And they have been raving about Dolchis since he arrived. He ran a route on 26 of the 30 dropbacks, saw a 12% target share. Not bad usage for a really good athlete. A lot of people speculated he was the most athletic and best pass-catching tight end of this class. Trey McBride was apparently the, the clear-cut number one guy, but Dolchish was apparently the best athlete and most pass-catching prowess as like a big slot a lot of people labeled, and that's how he was used. He wasn't an every-down player. He was only about 50 snaps, but he was in every pass-down type of player, and I don't care if he's not on there to block. I'm not getting fantasy points for blocks. I'm getting them for the catches. He looked just burst off the line, looked solid, really quick off the catch once he had it. Yet, you know, I know again, nobody was really near him, but he looks very smooth in his routes. Uh, Albert O was a healthy scratch. That's how much they like Dolchitz. 
So that's a tight end. You could potentially look to with some athleticism, bring some flair to your locker room there. Uh, Daniel Bellinger, another rookie tight end. So again, continuing the trend that we don't typically see, rookies producing, saw five targets, hauls in all five for 38 yards and a score. He became a full-time player for the first time this season with 82% route participation, a 20% target share. That type of usage will move him right into that high-end tight end two um, zone. Again, other than Wandale Robinson, this offense does not have really any promising pass catchers. So Bellinger's role could continue to see an uptick here on the 5-1 and one Giants roster. And the last guy to mention is not a rookie, but a veteran finally making a splash is Hunter Henry. Seven targets, catches four of them for 61 yards and a score. And Jonu was back, but only played two tight end sets. It seems like Henry has clearly, once again, just like last year, surpassed Jonu Smith after a few weeks of them trying to force feed the guy and get him involved. It seems like Henry has truly stepped away. Most of the production, 31 yards and the score, all came on that one play. But Bailey Zappi slinging that rock. Hunter Henry running, you know, seeing that 21% target share. Not a bad spot to be in. Ah, you know, just 14 targets in the first five weeks was sketchy, but seeing eight today... All right, not bad. Certainly a tight end you could look to. That wraps up my tight ends. A couple just quick honorable mentions. You know, Jamison Williams, if you have the ability, again, another guy I talk about each and every week, similar to Rashad White, probably belongs in the top five of this list if we had a clearer picture of when he was going to be back and starting. We don't know that. And I was hopeful after the bye, he might get activated, start practicing with the squad. Hasn't happened yet. Probably is not happening this week. And the latest report I read said they're expecting a Thanksgiving type. That's what their hope is. So you're now dealing with another month without Jamison Williams. But another guy you can stash in your IR, I'd have him above Kyron Williams for the IR, above Gus Gus Edwards. Because this is the type of guy that once he's on the field, very few can match his ability to just break a game, to change the entire complexion of an offense. This is 4-3 speed in a 6-1 body. That's 99th percentile size speed score. Ridiculous production his senior year. 1,572 yards and 15 touchdowns in addition to two punt return touchdowns. And he'll be entering an offense that is constantly needing to chuck because their defense is giving up the most points and most yards per game. Well, meanwhile, the offense, third in points per game, 28, seventh in passing yards at 260, third in total yardage. I mean, this team is getting the ball moved. Other than that one shot against the Pats, they have been able to just keep pace in firefights here. Jamison Williams could be a huge part of making them even more explosive. Tyreek Hill level of comparisons in terms of his ability to wreck games, to take tops off defenses. Love Jamison Williams if you can stash him and be patient here, uh, whether you have the IR spot or not. He's going to come in and wreck games. So definitely, again, if you have the ability to be patient, it would probably be ahead of Robbie Anderson at number five on my list. If you need the immediate production, then maybe you have to go to Anderson instead. Other honorable mentions, though, Sammy Watkins. And I know most of you are drumming or hitting the exit button because of Sammy Watkins' name. But don't forget, his last time out there, had three catches for 95 yards. Rodgers was banging the drum to get this guy there and loved, seemingly loved to be playing with him. And now we've got Randall Cobb, who had 13 targets in his last game out, potentially done for the year. We haven't gotten an update quite yet, but he was crying on his way out. It looked very serious. And so you know how veterans just vibe with Aaron Rodgers, how much he trusts them over his rookies. I imagine that Sammy Watkins, eligible to come off the IR this week, could step right into the number one role there alongside Alan Lazard. Certainly anybody catching passes from Rodgers has in the past been well worth an ad. 
This year, I don't know. I don't even think Rodgers needs to be rostered anymore in fantasy leagues, given how hideous this offense is as a whole. That all being said, Sammy Watkins led the team in receiving last time out. Could be a play. The last guy I want to mention, I keep mentioning him, is Khalil Shakir. Still only about 2% rostered. Isaiah McKenzie was the first man in. Uh, saw you know 22 more snaps than Khalil Shakir did. Saw five more targets compared to Shakir's two. But if you have eyeballs, you saw McKenzie looked terrible. And I'm a, I've been a McKenzie like backer, and that's more so for the role. The slot receiver dating back to Cole Beasley has been a monster role in this Bills offense. And McKenzie himself, when he's been the starting slot receiver, had typically smashed. But you look this week. Had a horrible drop on a potential touchdown, had a fumble, had it just didn't look like he was ever in the right spot. And you could see Josh Allen really start to get frustrated. And by the end of the game, the second half, Shakir had seemed to take over in terms of the snap share. And when he's been in, he's produced. He had three catches for 75 yards and a score. The last game McKenzie missed, uh, just catches the ball, had you know another catch this week when he was targeted. He seems to be the more reliable guy. And a lot of models compared this guy to Cooper Cup coming out for his like consistency with his routes, for his sure hands, for his meh athleticism, but his ability to just kind of be everywhere and kind of attack all levels of the field. That's some of the, the names that were lobbied out for Khalil Shakir. So maybe he's the rookie. If he can surpass Isaiah McKenzie, and while Jamison Crowder is out, there's upside here. So I don't mind stashing him in deeper leagues if you're looking for a potential option. Let's wrap this up with some defensive streamers and then get to all of your guys' questions. And again, as we do, that thumbs up button is so greatly appreciated. Over 30 of you here with us. So awesome to have you here. But please do consider helping us out with that thumbs up button. Whether you're catching the replay, whether you're here with us live, get those questions in if you're here live. We'll be getting to them in about three minutes while I rip through some defensive streamers. For week seven, who are the top defenses you can stream? I got to start with the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 and I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. Only 3% rostered. Over their last three weeks, they've gone 12, 9, and 20 fantasy points, including a recent smashing, spanking, destruction of the Green Bay Packers. I'm not a Jets fan, obviously. I'm a Pats fan. But I love to see that. I love to see Aaron Rodgers tail tucked between his legs, getting just hammered by the pathetic hapless, or maybe not quite so, Jets at this point. This defense is genuinely good, I think. They are top 12 defense against both the pass and the run by any metric. And as mentioned, over the last three games, they are the second highest scoring defense, averaging 13.6 points per game in that span. They have seven turnovers across those three games. They're outscoring their opponents 91 to 47. I think this defense is genuinely good. They just held Aaron Rodgers' Packers to 278 total yards and just one touchdown, sacking him four times, notching another takeaway, blocking a field goal and a punt. Like the special teams are getting it done. Don't forget Robert Sala. When he came over from the 49ers was this defensive wizard that could just light things up. And the 49ers were an insane defense when he was leading the charge there. And now that he's finally got some talent, I mean, it's crazy to think that like one to two players can just flip a defense given how much of a laughing stock they were last year. But you bring in Sauce Gardner. I mean, this guy is a genuine, probably a top three corner already as a rookie getting lost in the sauce, just drowning number one opponents right now. Some good defensive line additions. Quentin Williams, just an absolute beast on there. He's talking about how they are just out to shock the world after this game and (laughs) All that, so the, painting a picture, this Jets defense is genuinely good. We've seen good stats, good production, and they are now coming into a matchup with the Broncos, the lowest scoring offense in the league. You, We've all been force-fed the Broncos in primetime. We all can see 
they fucking suck. So now we get a Jets defense that's surging, a Broncos offense that's surging the opposite direction, just completely tanking. And Russell Wilson might be out. They might be forced to start Brett Ripien, given that Russell Wilson's dealing with a brutal hamstring injury, apparently. Maybe that's his excuse, the classic Russell Wilson. I need an injection to my shoulder. I need a hamstring, whatever excuse to counter up, cover up, whatever horrendous play is going on over there. But again, dead last in the league in scoring. I don't think Brett Ripien is going to come in here and help turn that around. I think this defense swallows the, uh, the the Broncos on the road here. My number one pickup by a mile. But let's say you miss on the Jets here. Again, 3% roster. They're going to be out there in your league. I say go get the Jets, bid a dollar or two. Make sure you get them. But if you miss on them, there's still some good options. Only 3% roster. The Arizona Cardinals. Sneaky doing a solid job. They're 12th in the NFL uh, in terms of restricting offenses, total yardage, and 7th against the run. So a good run D here. Uh they're actually playing you know, okay defense, but the matchup's the big thing. Facing the Saints that have allowed 15 sacks, they've turned the ball over 13 times, which is tied for the most in the NFL, and they've given up the six most points to fantasy defenses, and that's with Andy Dalton kind of protecting the Rock the last two weeks. When they were the best in terms of matchup was when Jameis Winston was playing, and now that Andy Dalton's dealing with a back injury, Winston's looking like he's back and ready to go. Turnover prone machine. We've, you know, how many interceptions did he have just a few seasons ago when he led the league in passing? He's right back to that just slinging it and doesn't care who bad catches it type of mentality for Jameis Winston. And they're already the Arizona defense trending in the right direction with two 12 plus point shows in their last three weeks. They held Seattle, a top 10 offense, every other week to just 19 points this last week. And the Saints offense again is absolutely abysmal. There will be no Michael Thomas, no Landry. Tons of turnover opportunity here for Arizona. And it's Thursday night. We've just seen all those games smashing the unders. So big fan of the Cardinals. I really like the Dolphins as well. On Sunday night football, they're a seven-point favorite. Uh, They're at home. And, yeah, they've been very, very underwhelming the last few weeks with all the skidding going on, the quarterback issues. It's been ugly. But don't forget, they started strong this year. Two top five finishes in their first three games. They showed the ability to get to the passer, to turn over the ball. They've had some injuries that those guys are now coming back to full health. And they're going to be getting a Pittsburgh team that has given up the fourth most points to defenses, has not scored 20 points in a single game. They've given up three sacks in three of their games so far this year. Very, very turnover prone. Pickett loves to just air it out and it has not been pretty. So given that they're averaging 16.2 points per game, the Steelers are third worst in the league. Given that his Miami defense is better than what they've shown these last few weeks, definitely a viable streamer for Sunday night football. And the last defense I'll highlight, and then hit all your questions, Wolfpack, thanks again for your patience getting there. But the Kansas City Chiefs at the 49ers, I think could be a sneaky defensive play. What's the recipe for getting a good defensive performance against the 49ers is forcing Jimmy G to throw. What's the Kansas City defense good just absolutely forcing your hand, dictating the pace of play, dictating what your offense is going to have to do because they are leading the NFL. The Chiefs are in points, often leading to defenses having to, or offenses rather, having to throw against them. When that's the recipe, the 49ers are not a good matchup for defenses when they can bleed the clock, they get on top of you, they swallow you with their pass rush. But when this defense is banged up, and it was brutal last week, I think the Chiefs are going to have no problem putting up 30-plus points on them, forcing Jimmy G out of his comfort zone, forcing him to throw. And that's when the Francisco Dan Fran uh, offense has been so vulnerable. In fact, they've given up the eighth most points to defenses on the year. And that's clear-cut when that actually happens. In the last four games since Jimmy G took over as a starter, against Denver they were forced to throw. 
16 points for the defense against Atlanta last week, which again is pathetic that this defense gave up so many points to Atlanta and they were forced into a negative game script against Atlanta. What do you think is going to happen against the Chiefs? But against Atlanta, the third highest scoring defense of the week with 13 points last week. I think you could definitely expect something similar in terms of 13 to 15 point upside for a Chiefs defense that, yeah, they're not great, but they can sure turn over the ball. Uh, I, I think this is a great spot for them given the game script. We will see. All righty, Wolfpack, that's all our streamers. On to your questions for the mailbag. So let me know what you got. And I apologize for missing this one, Charlie. Right off the top of the bat, I hope you're still with us. Uh, I think you were 611. So sending in a super chat 40 minutes before we go live. Love it. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, my apologies for missing it up until this point. So I hope you're still here with us, Charlie. I'll shoot you a message if not, just to make sure you get your answer. But thank you so much for the super chat here and supporting us. Uh, is Edmonds just a highish end handcuff for most at this point? Ceiling still feels too valuable to cut him. Warren, Jay Cook, et cetera, still out there. So I don't think Edmonds is a must hold. I think all he is is exactly what you allude to at the top, a high-end handcuff for Moster. It's a good offense. If Moster goes down, and we know how often he has in his career, I think Edmonds would walk into a very, very solid role. That's really the only reason to hold on to him. So that just becomes the game of roulette. Warren and Cook, eh, I'd probably keep Edmonds above them. But Rashad White? Give me white all day. I had to chase Edmonds. So it really depends on what type of handcuffs are out there for you. Or if like Latavius Murray's out there and you need somebody usable. But if it's just an upside stash anyways, I think Edmonds still does have really, really nice ceiling if and when. We know what's going to happen with Mostert at some point. The sports car will probably break down. I think Edmonds could walk right into high-end RB2 value. But I do think that's all he is at this point is a handcuff. Certainly no one you can put in your lineup at this point. He's been, you know, the big thing was he was supposed to be the pass catching back. We've seen now Mostert run more routes for four straight weeks. I mean, dominating like 70% to 80% of the snaps on any given week is Mostert right now. So yes, Edmonds is only a handcuff at this point, but he's a pretty damn good one given the injury-prone nature of the starter ahead of him and given uh, the nature of this offense and how they could probably generate points with Tua back. Thank you again for the support, Charlie. I hope you're still here for it. Let me know in the comments if you are, because if not, I'll shoot you a DM uh, and make sure you get your answer there. What's up, Bulldog? Okay to drop Dotson for Wandale? I think so. Given that we might not see Dotson for another week or two, given we don't know what the chemistry will be with his quarterback, based on the production early on in the season, the fact that he could get better and better, I don't like dropping Dotson, but I am worried about the congested target tree, the quarterback play with Wentz now potentially out. I think it's okay because I think Wandale Robinson, as alluded to when we went over him earlier, could be the number one. Dotson, any given week's a three. There's no way he's ever going to be the clear-cut top guy. I think Wandell could emerge as like a 30% target share guy each and every week. He's got that upside, and that's how lame the target total bowl is ahead of him. So, yeah, I think it's okay. I have Wandale at four and, and Dotson at six on this week's rankings uh, for the wave of wire. What's going on, Kevin Rice? Same question as last week. Need someone to fill in for Hertz? Ooh, boy, we got some ugly options here. Heineke, D. Jones, Lawrence, Mariota, Pickett, Mills, Winston. It's ugly. You need the solid start. So two names do stand out amongst this pile of shit. I would say Trevor Lawrence is one, two rushing touchdowns last week, over 20 fantasy points. In general, the Jags have been okay. He's been better as a fantasy starter more often than he's been bad. So I think Trevor Lawrence, I'm trying to think of the matchup off the top of my head this week. I don't, I haven't done, I did my rankings yesterday, but I cannot remember. But I don't remember the Jags being like a terrifying matchup this week. So I lean him. I do like Winston on Thursday night against the, the Arizona defense that has been susceptible to big plays, but with no Thomas, with no Landry, Olave should be back, but I, I'd be worried about a couple ugly turnovers and suddenly they go to 
you know, Taysom Hill even. So I'd lean Lawrence on this list. I do like smug grease Pickett if he plays, uh, but then you're waiting out till Sunday night and we don't really know if he's going to go. So early on right now, I say Trevor Lawrence is my top option there, Kevin. J.K. Dobbins or Elliott? Oh, we do have a call-in down there. <laughs> Got to go to my man, David Gabinelli. Preference always goes to the Collins. My fault there, brother. How are we doing? Waiting patiently down there. I, that's the name of the game, Wolf. It's been a, it's been a day. Been a week. Um, <laughs> Sorry two, to add on to it, but here you are. Welcome <laughs> to it. Just two quick questions for you. Let's um, is Jeff Wilson droppable for Khalil Herbert in a full PPR, or are we still going to ride the Jeff Wilson train for a little longer? I mean, we got at least, I think, until their week 10 by. That's when Eli Mitchell, I think it's week 10, might be week nine. Uh, they said they expect Mitchell back after the bye. And then it's, you know, who knows what happens from there. Although Mitchell clearly can't stay healthy either. So even when Mitchell's back, I don't know that Wilson's a clear drop. Yes, obviously last week I had him in my lineup. I think almost everybody. So Atlanta, like the guy had had 13 or more fancy points in every single game. It was a like a no-brainer start. And of course he falls on his fucking face and gets 0.5. I get that. Frustrating. I don't think he's cuttable yet because I do think yeah, he was still in on nearly 60% of the snaps, still saw the majority of the work. The script got away from him, but they're going to try to establish him against the Chiefs and bleed some clock early. He's a touchdown scorer. I don't think he's cuttable yet. I, I like Khalil Herbert. I do like the potential of stashing him, but I wouldn't cut Jeff Wilson for him now. And, and then my other question for you is in a standard league, I have Romeo Dubs right now kind of as a plug-in for um, A.J. Brown, but I need – you know, it seems like he may be in the doghouse with Rogers. Would you try to pick up like a Josh Reynolds for him for like a one week stream or a Dodson? Only gotten it done. I mean, you 12 or more points in three, four straight weeks. It doesn't look like Jamison Williams is about to be back. Now that was with Amon St. Brown banged up for two or three of those weeks. He gets Dallas this week, not the best of matchups and St. Brown should be back and fully healthy. Ash and Swift. So I don't know that Reynolds compels me much more than Dubs, but maybe Wandale, if he's out there. You know, I, I'm intrigued by this kid. Um, that's who the Jaguars are facing um, is the Giants. So not the best of matchups, but I could see him continuing to elevate his role. I'm not opposed to you know, Alec Pierce. I would rather have against the Titans defense that's given up the second most points to wide receivers. If he's out there, I'd rather have him than Dubs for this week. Rondale Moore, I'd rather start than Dubs. Uh, so there's definitely some guys out there I'd rather have than Dubs. I don't think Josh Reynolds is one of them. All right. Thanks, Wolf. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's keep getting that season back on track. Thanks for the Collins, as always, David. Thank you. Cheers, cheers. All righty. Uh, let's continue forward with our questions. J.K. Dobbins or Elliott, full PPR. It, is this like a straight up like this week question? It's Elliott. He's facing Detroit. If it's rest of season, it's probably Elliott too. I, I thought into Dobbins right now. He hasn't really looked good at all this year. He stumbled into two touchdowns against the Bills and put up a good stat line. Otherwise, he's been brutal. So I like Elliott rest of the season. He looked great. The best he's looked all year this last week. Then he gets Detroit. So whether this is a one-week question, rest of the season question, it's Elliott for me either way. Ben Tomsick. Cousins on by. Who should I stream in a four-point PPR? Can I hate cut that idiot? I mean, he's been okay. He's as serviceable as any QB in the league right now, besides the big three, lighten up the league. I mean, Cousins is about as dependable as anyone else, so I wouldn't cut him. Uh, but is you know Jared Goff out there? I know he had a dud against the Pats, but otherwise he's been real solid. I mean, tell me, is Dak somehow out there facing Detroit this week? I've seen Dak out there in these like 10-man leagues, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. So check for Dak. 
Uh, it, I, ben, it's hard to answer this without knowing you know, what type of guys are out there this week. Um, but I do like, I mean, Matty Ice, 380 yards, three touchdowns, whopping like 58 pass attempts. He set the Colts completion record. Not Peyton Manning, not uh, Andrew Luck. Matt Ryan did last week. Maybe he's finally finding his ground. So that gives you at least a handful of names to work with for this week. Let me know who's out there, who you're kind of considering. I have Rashad White in four or four leagues. I'm with you. I have him everywhere. I'm just sitting here, fingers crossed. Yeah, you never wish for injuries, right? But if Fortnite gets a little tweak, nothing you know, career-threatening or anything, but something that causes him to miss five weeks or so, I'll be okay with it. I'm, I'm praying that Rashad White's opportunity happens, and given you know, Fournette's history, it's likely to. Remember, I, I don't know if I said it before we got to the mailbag, but we'll pick that thumbs up button with 30 of you here. would be so greatly appreciated. And if you're new here, the sub button would be so great too. So you can keep joint, helping us grow while also never missing on a stream. I have Dak in my RR. I'm going to have to bring him, and you have to cut somebody. All right, so we got White, Dubs, Dotson, or Gallup. Lamar's your starter, but I have Dak as my backup after some one, someone dropped him. I mean – one, do you really need him? I guess I would be trying to move a quarterback, whether you move Lamar for a King's ransom or whether you move Dak because he's got Detroit and somebody's probably going to need that matchup. Move a quarterback, first of all. I would cut your kicker first while you try to figure out, can you move somebody, buy yourself some time. And then if you know nobody's biting and you have to get somebody off your roster for Sunday, I guess if Dotson's not playing, I'd make it him. I'm not cutting Gallup with Dak coming back with Detroit on tabs. Dubs would be the next potential guy. I can't cut White. You know, again, just he has to be on your roster in the off chance something happens to Fournette. Dubs could be cuttable, but if Dotson's missing the game, and even if not, like what's his rapport going to be with Heineke, he'd be the first man on the chopping block. But again, I'd cut your kicker, try to work out, you know, how am I going to make something happen here? Can you move Dak? Can you move Lamar? Uh, and figure something out there is how I'd play that, Robert. Traded Robinson for Juju full PPR. So it sounds like you got the depth. Uh, I mean, after eight, after you got three great guys in Henry Swift Walker, and you clearly need some receiver help. So it's all right. Uh, I'd like to think Robinson could have yielded you more, but Juju's coming off his best game of the year. He didn't look particularly fast or explosive, just some bad tackling. But at the end of the day, he's maybe he's starting to emerge, maybe ascending. I wouldn't consider it a clear win, but you have some need, team needs, so it's not horrible. I think the way I would have played this is could I have spun like Robinson and one of your guys' pickings for like a real upgrade, like a big upgrade. But, yeah, it's not horrible given your team needs. Lamar's bias until week 10. I'm tempted to leave Dak on the IR and not drop anybody. Maybe you can pull that off too, Robert. But, again, I always like to play kicker roulette uh, and uh, get some tryouts in there and see how things are shaking out. Eight players on bye. Bye week, hell. <laughs> Giuseppe. Um, it is tricky when that happens. And this week, I mean, between the Eagles, between the, the Bills, two of the top offenses in the league, then the Vikings are serviceable. Uh, is it a, And the Rams, you know, big names, at least in Cooper Cup and whatnot. Yeah, it's going to be one of those hellish weeks. And certainly you don't want to drop any, like, full-on season-long starters just to have a couple holes to, to be poked. Obviously, if you can field the full roster, you want to. But if you got too many like sexy names, maybe you do just take the L. It can be kind of a curse and a blessing in that sense that like, yeah, it sucks that you're going to take the L this week, but the rest of the year, you should have the vast majority of your team on there. Not a bad place to be, Giuseppe. So maybe you do, maybe you don't take the L. Uh, it really depends on, on how cuttable some of your guys are. Someone dropped McLaurin. Should I pick him up or Pierce? 
it's crazy that this is even a question. McLaurin and Heineke did have a good rapport last year. So I lean McLaurin on the talent, on the upside. Uh, he could emerge as like the number one by a mile, given Samuel starting to fade into the distance. Whereas Pierce is always going to be behind Pittman. So I, I lean McLaurin, but I do still really like Pierce too. And as a one-week matchup play, maybe Pierce is in a better spot. I forget who the commanders have. Uh, yeah, they have the Packers. Not a good secondary there for McLaurin. Uh, so maybe if it's just literally truly a one-week thing, maybe just Pierce for Jefferson's bye. Um, but McLaurin rests the season has a, lot, a higher ceiling, in my opinion. But it's close. It's damn close. So one week by, yeah, probably Pierce, actually. You, you look at it there. Rookie move on my part. Carr, Goff, Mariota. Yeah, who was a rookie move? you got to give us the names there. Uh, so I like Carr there. I mean, I like Carr, then I like Goff. The rest of them I wouldn't consider. Um, but I'd start with Carr. You know, 18 points, probably going to just get you that, and you should be okay with that. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they had a pretty good matchup um car this week let me pull my rankings because a lot of rankings questions are coming into these these pickups these streamers um so roto street week seven uh there they are okay so let me just double check who i have the highest i want to remember who the raiders have for you benny um pulling up my rankings here so the raiders get i have car qb8 against houston yeah i mean Houston fucking sucks. <laughs> I think that's the play. Ride Carr, who's been okay, and now gets a pretty cakey matchup. Seems good to me. Chubb and A.J. Brown for Pierce and Swift. No, no, I would not do that. I like Chubb and A.J. Brown more than either of those two players. So definitely not WWE 2K. Spiller, good flyer. I mean, Kelly went down. If his injury is serious, he's like done for the year, maybe. But I think every other, all the other 10 names Roth, Tiberius Kane I went with, I'd prefer. Should I do Herbert for Wandale? I have Monty. Um, no, I, I, I'd keep Herbert. Given that this is going to be a potential hot hand situation, given how much better Herbert's been, very real chance he could emerge as the, the starter here. So, no, I would not drop Herbert for Wandale. Okay, Pasa Lobo. What's up, Thomas Medina from, was it Panama, if I remember correctly? Uh, good to see you, brother. Thanks for tuning in. Should I drop Cam to stash Kyron? Yeah, I got Cam could get traded to a spot where he ends up getting used. So it's not a guaranteed drop, but like he might just just wither away and not play another down the rest of the year. So at least we know Kyron has some upside coming back. I might hold on to Cam, though, just to see if he gets traded over this bye week here. If you think Kyron might last you the bye week, I would wait that one out, Tomas. Love to hear it, Chris. 6-0. Love to see it. Haven't had this kind of fancy luck. You know what it is. You found the wolf pack, baby. No, I can't take full credit for that. You were a beast. I know your comments all year, Chris. You definitely know your shit. But sometimes the everything starts to align. I'm five and one. I'm having a great year myself. Um, I love when I follow my good takes and fade my bad ones. And that seems to be the case this year. I made plenty of bad predictions. Alan Robinson being the, the front of those. Thankfully, I somehow kind of avoided them in my leagues. Uh, so... I'm glad to hear it, Chris. Great to great to have you as part of the pack. I'm glad to hear some of your fantasy success is uh, crushing it this year. Keep it up, my man. Six and zero. Oh. I mean, of all the, it's getting so hard to go undefeated in fantasy. Like there, I used to have years where I'd go like thirteen and one, fourteen and two. You know, beastly years. That doesn't happen anymore. Just there's such good resources out there, and the league is just so much different than what it used to be. So that's impressive. Six and zero. Oh. David Njoku or Tanya? Definitely David Njoku, Giuseppe. I mean, he has been a beast. I, I I think he's kind of a set and forget tight end at this point. I like Tanya, I do, but Njoku. 
Wolf, who do you like to replace? What's up, Fatty? Good to see you, Fatty Mateo. Uh, replacing Josh Allen, no fun feet. I love Gino. I think every week Gino's kind of a, a sneaky every week play. Chargers a decent defense, but are they? You know, even Russell Wilson was moving against them. I I kind of like him. I don't hate um, Carr though. Carr against Houston's the safe play, but you're going to get 18. You might get 25. So I I actually my rankings I have Carr higher eight and Gino ten. Um, so I, I lean Carr unless you really need higher upside, which Gino does in a potential shootout. So give me Carr though. Dropping my whole team, says Brandon Williams. Sammy Watkins sure is ass. Like, I'm, I'm not sitting here being like, I love Sammy Watkins. I'm glad some of you didn't turn off the stream after that. He had 93 yards last time out there. Their whole receiving core is ass. And we know that Rodgers prefers everybody, uh, prefers veterans to everybody else. So uh, he might walk into, with Cobb now potentially out for the year, Sammy Watkins might walk into like 10 targets a week. And as bad as Rodgers and that team has been, like, and, is, and the fact that Sammy Watkins is ass, I will not dispute. But he might see a good target share from a quarterback that has historically been great. So yeah, there's, a, there's a thesis here. There's a reason to play him, and it's not talent on Sammy Watkins' part. It's volume. Fatty Mateo with another one. Niners D facing Casey. I'm not playing them now. I'll tell you that much straight up. Um, do you think straight up swap for your Pats D? So Casey, bye week and three – I could see that Pats have the bears this week, the jets like yeah, that defense has been good for the jets. The offense still isn't great with Zach Wilson. Um, and I would not drop Najoku, especially with Kittle being a little bit inconsistent up and down. So yeah, I would, I would drop San Fran. I don't think there's any reason to have to hold on to them with how banked up they are. They're just not even as good of a defense anymore. <laughs> drop the whole team. Brandon Williams emphasizing that point. Um, curious about the jets defense. The roster is loaded on that side. Yeah. So, Roth, I just nailed that as like a – I don't know if you missed that part, but I hit the defensive streamers. They're my number one streamer of the week. So just rewind it a little bit, and I can give you all those reasons why. Um, but big, big fan of what the Jets are doing. The number two defense across the last three weeks, and now they get the Broncos. Whew, beautiful spot for the Jets, D. Uh, picked up the Pats defense two weeks ago. They are great right now, Chris. And, yep, crispy matchup against the Bears on Monday Night Football. Love it. At home, too. They're going to smash that team. Going head-to-head with the other undefeated guy. Let's go. Let's go. Show out, baby. Love to hear it. Travis Mason, what's going on, man? Uh, picked up Wandale. Love it. Who do you drop? Renfro, A-Rub, Cooks, Rashad White, Warren, Kyron Williams, Damian Williams. Um, and then Kyron and Damian's the IR spy. We, we've been in the DMs, right? I think we've been talking, Travis. I think Warren's the drop here. Um, sure, as much handcuff upside as anybody, but – really fade into the back and, and Najee with that played out. And a lot of people kind of laugh. Oh, is he really going to come back? He did look better than he's looked all year with that played out. So I, I think this is back to Najee being the show. Warren being strictly a handcuff after he saw 50% of snaps when the team was in a tight game, played like 10, five, 10% of snaps. So I think Warren's the most cuttable of that group, but I also would rather have Kyron than Damien. I don't know if that Damien's worth stashing at all. Dotson or McKenzie, I think McKenzie's droppable at this point. He looked like shit. Uh, if they go back to him and they, they regain the trust, then he could have a great role. But the this fact that Khalil Shakir has looked as good as he has, I would not be shocked at all to see the wheels, uh, the, the steering wheel get turned over to him at the slot. Brian Roth, yeah, we t- I already uh, answered that one, JJ, right? Rewind if you uh, missed that answer. But I thought with your depth it made sense. I just would have tried to get more in like a package deal. Uh, should I drop Stafford for Jameis Winston, Jimmy G, Matt Ryan, and Mariota? 
Um, for rest of season, no. If you need a streamer, then yeah, of course. But none of those guys appeal to me rest of season more than Stafford's schedule gets so much easier, Giuseppe. Like maybe he's expected to score. Scott Barrett had a great tweet about this. 25% or more points given that his schedule is about 25 to 30% easier than what he's had so far. A.J. Dillon has not had uh, double-digit points in six weeks. Should be 60 front. Oh, not 93. Fatty, it's, it's an unpopular opinion, and it's not necessarily wrong. The reason he should be as highly owned as he is is if something happens to Aaron Jones and he's missed time in most seasons, Dylan becomes a smash running back one play. So unlike the handcuff upside alone, I just don't see him being anything different than Rashad White at this point. So like Rashad White shouldn't be 33% rostered and A.J. Dillon should be 90. <laughs> you know, they're pretty much the same player at this point. He's ass in terms of his role right now. Not an ass as a player, but like, you know, he's, he's pretty much just a handcuff right now. Matt Ryan, Davis Mills, or Mariota for this week? I got to go Matt Ryan on that one, uh, DJNO. Looking back at Heineke's stats last year, we're pretty good. Eh, he had a few good games, but I'm not fucking into it, no. Robinson, zero targets. McKissick had his best stats. Or, yeah, that's true. He did. Um, so McKissick, you know, maybe sees an uptick, but I think they're just going to run, 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 run. So I, I like Robinson. I'm not, I'm not worried about him. Deion Jackson now or Jalen Warren uh, Pacheco? I would keep Deion. I wouldn't be shocked to see him really start to like get a the Heinz role, maybe even, you know, I, I like Deion Jackson. I don't think Pacheco needs to be held and I don't think Jalen Warren needs to. Um, so yeah, I like Deion Jackson traded Saquon and Marquise Brown last week for cup. They had to play the guy still got the W though. Four and one defense wins championships. Um, I like that move. I do. And especially with Marquise Brown now going down, it becomes like Saquon for cup which is just about straight up. I wouldn't have liked that trade, Austin. But with Marquise Brown going down, I now do. Matt Ryan is out there as well. I mean, yeah, it's all right, but I, I like Carr still more. Keep Walker. I mean, yeah, of course you keep Kenneth Walker. If that's the question. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he looks like a top 12 running back potentially. Sarah, I need to drop one tight end. Hurst or Frymouth? This Hurst. Frymouth, when he's in, is as solid as any tight end in the league right now. Olave or ETN rest of season? I'm uh, last in my league. My fate depends on it. I'm going Olave, Irving Henriquez. Hopefully we can help turn the season around, but I love the Olave kid. I mean, most air yards in the NFL, fourth and red zone targets. Like he's getting the money, money touches. Um, yeah, I love Olave. And ETN seems to be trending the right way. So I want them both, right? But I'd rather have Olave. Yeah, I just blocked him. The porn accounts have started to tie in. That's what Chris Thompson leaves. Have a great night too, brother. Thanks for tuning in. If I can't get the Jets, are the Jags or Broncos? I'd go Broncos as a better play. I, Jack got me negative four last week. Not going back to him. Dobbins or B. Robinson rest of season? Mm, Robinson for me, B. Sarah Riley. I'm not a Dobbins guy. Time to drop Deontay. Nah, I mean, 13-ish targets most weeks. It's a steady share. You'd have to have a good option seeing W. White Macy to uh, to drop them. I, he's just too talented, too much of a hog. All righty, folks. That wraps up the mailbag. Thank you for good interactions. I hope you get all the players you're hoping for. We'll be back live Thursday with my man, The Truth, to preview Thursday Night Football with some intriguing games uh, with uh, the Cardinals versus the Saints. On your way out, please consider hitting that thumbs up button. Please consider hitting that sub button if you haven't already and you enjoyed what you saw. I saw some new names out there. Would love to have you guys join us for more streams. Thanks so much for being here and all our content. If you're only on YouTube, we have so much more to offer you. 
RotoStreetJournal.com is where we breed and feed you fantasy wolves, where you can find my rankings, our trade value charts, our stock watches on every player that's trending right now. Tons of good stuff. Check out RotoStreetJournal.com. And a wolf of fancy sheep, be the wolves, guys. Thanks again. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks. <laughs>